And I hope that in, in my reflection today, you, you find a testament of, of God's goodness, of God's faithfulness, of God's grace. And in my mind, a, a testimony is, is simply this. It's a confession of, of God's faithfulness and goodness um, in our lives. Um, and I'd like to share my testimony only up to this point because my testimony isn't over because God's faithfulness is never over. It, it never runs dry. It never finishes. I'd like to share with you guys my gratitude for this community, my gratitude for God's faithfulness and my gratitude for you all and your work in, in my life. Well, my story begins where, you know, all of our stories begin. Um, it begins in, in the womb where God formed us. Um, I believe that when Jesus was on the cross, he saw all of us in our particular moments in time. And I believe he saw me like he saw you um, being formed and he was forming me in my mother's room. But like all things that work towards the will of God, like all things that have a specific purpose of goodness, you know, planned by God, the one who is against the enemy, he notices. My parents, they were born and raised in the beautiful country of Honduras um, in, in Central America. But it's a little small country uh, but ironically, they, they actually met here in, in the States, in the beautiful city of Woodland, Washington. Uh, now, some would say the city's not so beautiful, um, but I think so. I, 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 love, I love those drives, the trees, you know, the, the city hasn't moved that far out yet. It is, you know, people are, are moving out, but, you know, it's beautiful. <laughs> Um, they stumbled upon there uh, and, and met specifically in uh, the Woodland Hispanic uh, Seventh-day Adventist Church. And Seventh-day Adventism is the denomination um, which crosswalk um, several campuses around the country, um, around the world. That's the denomination which, um, and, and faith tradition that we fall under and my parents met there. Eventually they settled down in the beautiful city of Vancouver. <laughs> And they decided to start a family with my older sister, Brittany, um, who was already um, eight or so at the time, my, my mom's daughter. And this was a special season in, in the life of my parents because, you know, the church they joined, um, it, it would begin to form their faith. Um, my parents in Honduras, they were, they were casually um, Catholics and not that, that there's anything wrong with that, um, but these ideas of Protestantism, these ideas of... Adventism were completely new to them, but they were hungry, so they read, they studied a lot, um, still something today that inspires me, um, and, and they ultimately were convinced of Jesus in this completely new way. Um, they were convinced of who he claimed to be, the Son of God, um, and they were convinced of his saving power. This, this intimate study uh, led my mom eventually to uh, hearing about and, and studying about the Old Testament figure of Joshua, um, which if you don't know, that's actually my name, but in, in Spanish, Josue. Um, so if your name Josh, I know we have, it's a pretty common name. You have an awesome name. <laughs> um, she was fascinated by his calling. She, 
uh, Joshua was, was the leader of Israel who God called up after Moses, one of the most um, prominent figures, right, that we see in scripture. She was fascinated, you know, by, by his very being and his character. Um, so she thought, you know, when I, when I have my next kid, uh, and if he's a boy, I'll name him Josue, I'll name him Joshua. One day coming back from this church in, in Woodland, so we lived in Vancouver, um, it was a Saturday night program. Uh, the unexpected happened. My dad, he was on the wheel um, driving on, on the Interstate 5 going southbound, um, 70, 80 miles an hour, right? Um, he feels all of a sudden like he loses control of the car and he felt that because he did lose control of the car. <laughs> Any move he'd make this way or that way, the car wouldn't respond. This is a, <laughs> a horrible thing if you're going 70, 80 miles an hour on, on the interstate. So eventually, the car spun out. It went out of control and it rolled over a small hill on the right of the interstate onto a bigger patch of grass. Statistically, this doesn't end up well when you're going 70, 80 miles an hour. Miraculously though, my, my, my family um, ended up avoiding any cars when we were rolling off of the interstate. Um, but they rolled off onto the the, that, that small hill of grass, they ended up on, on top of the car flipped. And, and they were in fear. You know, when, when that happens, one particular thing that you're worried about is, you know, an, an explosion, right, um, with the gas. So they did their best to get out quick. First, my sister, um, she, she cut herself a little bit um, from the shattered glass. My dad was able to get uh, out eventually, and then my mom was able to get out as well with the help of you know, great first responders that showed up to the scene. Fortunately, it seemed like it was going to be all right, perhaps. But there was one issue in this accident, and that was that my mom was six months pregnant with me in this accident. And again, I bring up statistics because I've looked them up. Um, when you look at pregnant mothers in accidents, especially going 70 and 80 miles per hour, the statistics weren't in the favor of my mom and they weren't in my favor at all. So they did the best to rush my mom to um, the hospital, but the doctors, they, they, were, they were just honest with my mom. Um, they thought that I would either be a stillbirth or that my mom uh, would eventually miscarry. And this is a hard moment for my family, right? Um, they, they just totaled a car. They just had a traumatic near-death experience and um, they, they think that you know, this baby that they were expecting, that they were so excited to have, um, was going to perish. But I'm... <laughs> I'm right here, right? Glory to God. Uh, me and my big head are, are standing in front of you guys today. Um, and, and glory to God, I'm a testament of God's goodness. I'm a testament of, of his, 
his saving power. You know, this is when my mom later affirmed my name, Josue, Joshua. Um, in the Hebrew, it's Yeshua. Um, in the Greek, it's Jesus, from which we later in English get the name Jesus. That was something cool I, I, I learned on my Bible lands trip. Patty hates when I bring it up because he's jealous. He's, yeah. <laughs> but we did a sifting project and they, they gave me a little certificate in, in my Hebrew name. It was Yeshua. I was like, oh, I have the same name as Jesus in a way that's kind of cool. So if your name's Josh, another good reason. Um, but in the Hebrew, it means God is deliverance or God saves. And he saved me that day. God saved me that day. Now this is the story that was told to me growing up that because of this, because I had experienced this miracle, because God has saved me, um, there was a special call in my life that um, I was saved for a special reason. Um, and I'll be honest with you guys, <laughs> for a lot of my life, I had no clue what that was. So when I heard this story, I'm like, Guys, why are you telling me this? I wasn't, I wasn't even alive. So, you know, I had, I had no idea what this story was for and what I was intended for. Later on, one of my, my very earliest spiritual experiences um, was in the Hispanic church. Um, and if you know any, anything about it, you've been to a, a Seventh-day Adventist Hispanic church, it's a very special communal bond, um, and, and it's very formative for my faith. Um, there's a, a language, a common language factor. Um, there's this, this factor that, you know, we're in a foreign country, we're in a second home, so many things that bring this community together. This experience, though, is one that quickly taught me the ugliness of church. Um, it's one that quickly taught me the ugliness of people that I'm pretty sure we've all seen. Um, and it taught me that community is simply this collection of broken people trying to do fellowship together. One of my problems with this community, with this church, um, was that I felt they weren't doing enough for the ministry of their kids. I was young. I was very young here, um, and I wanted to be in a church where I was ministered to, and I don't think that was selfish, so I left, and eventually I, I found another church where I felt, you know, as a kid, I was, I was ministered to in the appropriate manner, but this quickly sparked a loyalty from the people of, of this church I had left that I've found to be very, very ugly, right? A loyalty that says church is a competition, and if you leave mine, I will begin to treat you differently. I will begin to other you. An ugliness that we're all too familiar with. Some of us in this room might have experienced this verbatim, uh, but I know that this rhetoric isn't Christ-like. Because our loyalty first should be to Jesus, not a particular church. Hmm. So after I left this church, um, I began to, to feel ostracized, and this hurt me. It hurt me a lot. 
And I remember this was one of the very first moments that I told myself, Josue, you are never going to be part of a a full-time ministry career, ever. Later on, I would begin to church hop and I explored some different communities here and there. Um, Some would stick more than others, some wouldn't. Um, But I I eventually ended up investing a lot into the the church of my local school community in in high school. And one of my biggest passions in life, um, if you've been here before, you've seen me worship lead and that's that's one of my favorite things to do in the world and and my school community really helped me uh, do this and and develop into this by providing spaces um, where I could be me and others like me could be themselves. So everything was going great. I, <laughs> I finally felt like I was finding a home, like I was finding a, a place of belonging. But then COVID happened. <laughs> and then COVID happened. And my issue wasn't, you know, being online. If I could... You know, Zoom with other people, that's fine. You know, we're still in community. We're still in in discussion and fellowship. Um, My issue was that, like everything else around us, my my community became a a very polarized place, right? Like everything else around us, people began to be more motivated by their ideologies, by their agendas, by their titles, than by the love of Jesus they preached. And it was very ironic because, you know, the same people since the first grade that, you know, had taught me about loving my neighbor, turning the other cheek, standing up for the marginalized, et cetera, et cetera, was doing the exact opposite. And again, I think this is a behavior, you know, we've, we've all seen and experienced. It's a behavior that the world often attributes to uh, our branches of Western Christianity. Um, And I think sometimes, a lot of the times, reasonably so. It's a behavior in which one's actions are contrary to the outward words and appearance. A behavior in which I have fallen into myself all too often. And I share this not to, to bash on, on any of these communities. I love these communities still with all my heart. I have friends in these spaces. I have loved ones in these spaces that I still talk to regularly, that I still talk to um, to this day. But I use it to highlight how the enemy can, can use something as beautiful as community and turn it into something so darn ugly and painful. I share it to highlight how the enemy can use me through community and and use me to do ugly and painful things. This is what he does. Uses community through people to hurt us. And this is what happened to me. He uses it to distract us from keeping Jesus first in our lives. And again, this was the second time and and hopefully the last time I told myself um, I was never going to consider full-time ministry. 
I'm never going to consider church work. I was done. I was done. I knew that church wasn't for me. Um, I knew that I didn't want to be part of this faith tradition anymore. So I pursued other careers. You know, this was around high school, so I eventually had to start thinking about, you know, what I wanted to study, what I wanted to be. So I pursued um, social work because I knew my heart broke for people. I knew I had a calling to serve people in my life, but I didn't want to do it within the confines of, of a church. I didn't want to do it within the confines of a religious institution because I knew how darn painful and ugly it could turn. I knew how darn ugly and painful it could be. And keep in mind that at this point, I 100% knew that God had a calling on my life to, to pursue ministry, to pursue church work. So I'm honest with you, church. At this point in my life, I was knowingly running away from a calling that I knew God had on my life. I was knowingly rejecting his spirit and everything it wanted to do with me. I didn't want this burden. <laughs> I said, I wanted someone else to do it. <laughs> I don't want to be the one to do it. Like I said earlier, um, there was a point in my life where I was church hopping a lot. Um, I was you know, here and there, different spaces, but this ultimately led me to meet a lot, and I emphasize a lot of cool people, um, uh, especially like through venues of, of music and, and ministry. And this long chain of connections, um, it, it led me to hear of, of this little church plant starting up in, in Portland called Crosswalk. Uh, a really good friend, he invited me to, to uh, play music at this church. Um, and I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't even part of the team. I was just, I was just a fill-in uh, for, for someone uh, who wasn't able to, to play a, a Sabbath at one pop-up. And I was skeptical, like I am, of a lot of things. Um, my, my friends, one particular thing about me that annoys them is, I'm, I'm a bit of a, a pessimist um, sometimes. I, I critique way too much and I just, sometimes I just need to take a breath and <laughs> be still. But I said, ah, why not? I'll give this little church plant um, a chance. <laughs> so I joined, I played music, I was in fellowship. Um, and I remember one of the very first things about Crosswalk that caught my attention is Musicians um, not dedicated and not striving for perfection, um, but musicians striving and being dedicated towards excellence as a means to creating an encounter with Jesus for themselves and for others. So I decided, you know, maybe I'll give this place a shot. I decided to, to stick around, um, but I, I quickly realized that I wanted to stay in this place long term, uh, not because of the drums, not because of the electric guitars, which don't get me wrong, I'm the first person to get behind. 
Don't get me wrong, when Dylan cracks an amazing riff, I'm the first person to get behind it. But I knew that I didn't want to stay because of that. I wanted to stay long-term because of this place's beliefs, this place's theology, and this place as a community. You see, this community had put language to movement and ideas that I had felt in my very bones since I was a kid. I just didn't know how to articulate it. You see, I was disappointed with my faith tradition. I was disappointed by the legalism, the lack of motivation for change, the lack of willingness to listen to its young people, the lack of motivation to be relevant in our current time. I was highly dissatisfied with the echo chambers we created and the arrogance that came along with that, et cetera, et cetera. Church, I could go on and on about the things that made my blood boil that happened within Adventism, of the things that happened within our faith tradition. You see, I fell into being this type of person that I, that I often criticize, um, me being a pessimist. Okay. A person that is a lot of talk, but no action, right? The person who critiques a community, but doesn't recognize that they are part of that community and, and have the tools and, and are able to make change in that community that they are a part of. But then came along uh, this church in my life that said, yeah, we're going to act but we're going to do that by putting Jesus first and putting Jesus central. We're going to act by simply doing this and in, in loving others well. Then came along a church who said they were gonna do their best to, to be a voice for the voiceless, to advocate for those on the outcasts of society, to advocate for our marginalized communities. In church, that was enough to soften this hard heart. It was enough. It was, it was so bizarre to me that there was a church that wanted to be so countercultural, yet so counter SDA in a sense. Um, it, it put me in a, in a weird place, <laughs> but it was everything I needed. <laughs> you see, because this little church plant eventually grew into something bigger and greater. Um, it gave a random kid a chance to blossom and to develop into something he never imagined he could be. See, Crosswalk did not only give me hope that I could be part of the church again, but it completely changed my, my entire worldview. It completely changed my, my entire theology at its core. And you see, I believe that this movement of, of radical love through Crosswalk was the only thing that could cure my distrust in the church. And I think it's the same for others who hold the same distrust. Only radical love can heal that distrust. See, this healing that I experienced, it created a lot of dissonance within me because at this time, I was still running away from my calling. But this new way of church, this new way of theology, 
It, it really made me want to stop running. I remember my last straw was at lunch um, with our pastoral staff just down the road um, at the food trucks. I remember I ordered a chimichanga. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a fried burrito, like it's awful for you. Health message. Right? <laughs> but I love, those, I love those things, man. Um, <laughs> amen. <laughs> and we were talking with Pastor Uriel and he brings up that Wall Wall University um, which is just four hours away, where I'm heading to right after this. Um, they, were giving, they were giving away, giving out uh, full tuition rides for students studying theology. I was like, what? <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> so my instant reaction was, this was God saying to me, Oswe, what else do I need to do to convince you of this calling that I have on your life? Oswe, what else do I need to do to get this through your big head? Big head. I'll even make it free, he said to me. I'll even make it free for you. Um, so that day, I gave up. I stopped running because God never stopped chasing me. So I surrendered that day and ever since then I've been studying to be a, what they call a pastor. <laughs> and it's been hard, don't get me wrong. I remember the first week of school, um, the enemy attacked my family in a way that I've never experienced before and ooh, I was this close to just cutting the plug. Even, even last night, I was preparing this as I was getting this ready. I experienced this, this extreme, you know, spiritual warfare, spiritual pressure that, again, discouraged me. But church, this community, and every single one of you guys, inspires me to keep going. This community helped me realize that if Jesus is first in my life, then first I'm called to him. So when I think back to that story of when God saved me before I was even born, I do think he, he saved me for something special. But that's something special he has for all of us. And that's him. That's Jesus. So my calling isn't first to being a pastor, um, it's first to Jesus. And if I'm called to Jesus, that means I do what he's willed for me. So for me, that's being a pastor, I guess. <laughs> for you, that's probably something else, might not be. This community also helped me realize that if I'm first called to Jesus, that means I invest and I am part of community, even when it's hard. Because you see community at its, at its perfection, at its, at its full magnitude, is simply what we call heaven. Right? So obviously, <laughs> we're not going to have a, a literal heaven here on earth, but Let's try our best to do that. 
Let's try our best to build that here. Another thing I'd like to emphasize is that I feel as though sometimes we create um, this, this illusion around community and that we want it to be perfect. But it's important to remember that when we interact with community, we can't expect perfection when we deal with broken people. We can't expect perfection when we deal with broken people, church. There's simply no way around it. But there is a way of loving well radically that makes it bearable. It really is. See, Crosswalk isn't a perfect place because it's made of a broken people, it's made up of sinners. And it never will be a perfect place. But um, I've found a community whose, whose values I can get behind and I'm investing with all I can. And I pray that all of you have found this in, in Crosswalk. I pray that all of you have found this in our community as well. And if you have, I hope that you invest. <laughs> I hope that you invest like heck. And if, if that isn't Crosswalk for you, that's totally fine. But I pray and hope you do do your best to find a community which whose values you can get behind and then invest in. So why do I share all this? Um, what's the point of this? <laughs> Let's just to simply say thank you today. Thank you, church. Thanks for all that you've done in my life, every single one of you guys. Thank you for investing in me. Thank you for believing in me. Thank you for inspiring me every single day to keep going. And, and with that, all I have left to do is, is share my gratitude, express my gratitude. Because I've spent a lot of my life in cynicism, like I said, and pessimism, and, and critique of spaces and, and systems. Um, but sometimes we just have to leave it to God and remember that he's always moving and he's powerful enough to do good work in our lives. He's powerful enough to do a good work in our communities. The space has been a, a, a breath of fresh air for me. So all I have left to say is thank you. All I have left to do is share my gratitude. So thank you, church, from the bottom of my heart a million times. Thank you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come boldly to your throne of grace because you suffered a life like we do because you walked among the dirt among us, God. And we come boldly to your throne of grace this morning in gratitude today, God. We come in gratitude for this community, God, and all you've done to establish it, to make it a place of belonging. And God, I pray, I know there's a person in, in, in this room who's, who's looking for that today. And God, I pray and hope that they find that here. But if not, God, I hope 
that you give them the courage, that you give them the strength to pursue a place where they can find that. Lord, help us to invest in this space. Help us to give others this belonging, this hope that we have found God that only you can give. Help us to become greater 